an insurance policy when somebody pays a premium. I kind of refer to it more as a deposit. Uh-huh. When that money goes into an insurance policy, it's going to have to buy life insurance. Best ever listeners, before today's episode, I want to invite you to join us in Keystone, Colorado, February 20th through 22nd. It is the 2020 Best Ever Conference. And not only do I want to invite you to join us, I want to invite you to earn 15% for every ticket that you're responsible for selling should you join as an affiliate for the conference. Great way to earn money. And also, if you're planning on attending, great way to pay for your ticket, essentially. You get enough sales. So you can go to BEC20.com. And in the top left corner, it says earn 15% as an affiliate. You can click that, join the affiliate program, and you got all the resources that you need to share the good word about the Best Ever Conference in Keystone, Colorado. And we will be talking more about this on future episodes. But for now, go check out BEC20.com and that affiliate page. You can earn 15% as an affiliate, and we will see you in Keystone, Colorado. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today, Russ Morgan. How you doing, Russ? Joe, I'm great, man. Thanks for having me on. Well, I'm glad to hear that, and it's my pleasure. A little bit about Russ. He started his career in the financial industry and then was in shock when the Dow Jones plummeted 800 points in 2008. We all remember that. Now, Russ, with his company, Wealth Without Wall Street, helps clients invest their money into something safer, develop financial strategies, and plan for retirement. Based in Birmingham, Alabama. With that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, Joe. It's funny when we read those bios and it says shocked when the Dow dropped 800 points. Now that's just a common occurrence, right? That's not right. We're no longer shocked by that. That's become normal. Our kids would read that and be like, well, dad doesn't do that every other month, right? (laughs) So yeah, I came from the traditional financial planning background. I was a CFP for many years and kind of learned, I guess, the wrong way to do things. It's not the best way to do it, but you got to learn one way. You can borrow it or you can pay retail. And I paid retail like a lot of other people. And then thankfully, I started thinking back to a lot of the clients I was helping where they were being successful. They were being successful in things that they understood, not in areas that they didn't. And that kind of led me in the path to where we are. My business partner and I started a company in 2015 called Wealth Without Wall Street. Actually, it's funny enough that it actually, we created a podcast first and then our company name followed the podcast, but it really spoke to exactly what we did was teaching people how to build wealth and had nothing to do with Wall Street. Not that we are against Wall Street in any fashion. We have people that obviously invest in that world, but first and foremost, invest what you know, and most people just don't understand that. So that's not where they invest. Well, teaching people how to build wealth. I want to build wealth. That sounds like fun. What do I need to know about how to build wealth? Well, I think first, obviously, our process is usually kind of following the five pillars is the way we refer to it. And we start with cash flow. It's an old strategy when you actually figure out how much money you have coming in, how much money you have going out. A lot of people don't start there, though, Joe. They literally just go to the top of the pyramid and they say, hey, what's the most speculative thing I can get my money in? And they start chasing those games. And that's the way to lose money, which is, I guess, Warren Buffett always says the best rule of investing is to not lose it. And so we start with building cash flow, building budgets around our money, finding ways that we can avoid giving a dollar away that we don't have to. And that starts with better tax strategies. So a lot of our clients are typically frustrated with the amount of taxes they're paying. So we, we work on that, get that right. 
then they start working on, well, where's my dollars going that I don't get access to? And it may be in 401ks and IRAs. And so they start redirecting those accounts. And then they start moving up the ladder to invest in things that they can control, which would be things like their businesses, their educations. And then secondly, they start investing in things with collateral. And obviously that's where real estate comes in. That's where people who want to invest in other businesses or start doing private lending. And then ultimately at the top of it, as I mentioned before, is speculation. And we do have clients that do that, but typically it's in smaller quantities, not their money that's going to make a difference in their life. All right. I want to make sure I have those written down. Will you go through quickly just those five again? Because I got some of them down, but I want to make sure I'm writing them all down. Yeah. So the five is cash flow and Uh and that consists of lots of other things where they stick their cash, kind of a saving component. Now our company is big in using cash value life insurance as a tool, then going into kind of a controlled aspect, which is dealing with things like real estate. And then on top of that, then that's when you get into speculation. Okay. Cash flow savings control aspect. What was the fourth? The fourth is speculation. Okay. Aren't there five? I'm sorry. I combined two things. So the five pillars is uh-huh. cash, like cash flow, cash value. Okay. Then real estate, uh-huh. business, and lending. Oh, shoot. No, I wouldn't even. Okay. <laughs> All right. Got it. So yeah. those are your five pillars cash flow, cash value, real estate, business, and lending. That's right. Yeah. How do you make money? How do I make money? Two different ways we make money. So we set up our clients uh, with those cash value life insurance policies as the primary core business model that we have. Uh, The second is we've built a membership community there. People come in and they're trying to learn that strategy among many others, whether it's real estate ownership and businesses or doing private lending. So we have a membership site as well. Okay. And what investment are you most proud of personally? I'd say business. So for us, our business is made up of a couple of different areas. One I mentioned before is that we do have an insurance business as a whole, but we've grew that business over the last two and a half years, almost 300%. And it's through avenues just like this. Doing podcasts, we have a podcast ourselves, And that podcast has led us to taking a traditional business that was belly to belly, like most financial businesses is, to now kind of an online platform. Cash value life insurance is something that I imagine is challenging to explain, or if not challenging to explain, then it's challenging for you to overcome people's barriers in their mind about that. First off, is that a correct statement? Yeah, definitely. What we've learned is so much harder to unlearn than to not have any exposure to it and to try to learn from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So disclosure, I'm not with you all because we just met, but I have a cash value life insurance policy. So I'm aware of it and I'm a proponent of the concept. Nice. So what are the ways that you go about? Well, I guess let's first talk about what is it? We'll start with that. Well, life insurance as a whole, everybody knows what that is. You buy something that protects you in case you die, right? We all have that guarantee, but nobody buys the kind that will <laughs> mostly pay off when that happens. The type of insurance that we use is a specifically designed life insurance contract is with a mutual insurance company, meaning that the policyholders are the owners of the company. So any dividends that are paid are paid to them. And we use whole life insurance, which is just one of the oldest insurance policies out there. It's just a big, huge savings tool that acts a lot like a bond, a treasury, a really high interest savings account. Okay. And why is it special? 
Well, the special part of it is really in the design, Joe, and you obviously, if you own one, you know a little bit about this, but the way that most people buy life insurance, they have a kind of a Walmart shopper mind where they literally want to put as little money in and get it as big of a death benefit as possible. But we do exactly the opposite. We literally try to sell people the most expensive life insurance policy they could buy. We try to put hundreds of thousands of dollars in and try to get the smallest death benefit that the insurance companies and the government will allow us to do it. That creates big, huge cash values, which most people don't understand that term, but just think about it as cash. You look in your checking account, you see cash. I look inside of my insurance policies, they title it cash value, but it's the same thing. When I call the insurance company up, I get the money deposited into my account like I just did yesterday. It's something that's really easy to do. Then I use it, whether I want to invest in a piece of real estate, if I want to invest into our business, I want to buy a new widget, car, whatever it may be. I use that tool that way. The difference is, is that most of our cash is going through somebody else's bank, which is the one on the corner that we all know and use, and they're convenient to us. They give us suckers or dum-dums whenever we, we drop by for our kids. But for us, we want to have our cash at work, and our cash at work can earn 2 3 4% interest. Mm-hmm. So you've got the cash value of, say, $100,000, and you're able to get access up to, say, $90,000 or so year one instantaneously and borrow against that while that amount of money is still making a return while you're borrowing against it, correct? You're hitting the nail on the head. And that's kind of probably the thing that excited me the most about this, Joe, is like I said, I started from a financial planning background. So the first time I ever heard this, I was at a conference in New Orleans back in 2005 and the guy who was explaining this had wrote this book called Becoming Your Own Banker. And I heard the word life insurance. And I thought, this has got to be the worst idea I've ever heard. (laughs) Right? Like who would ever do that? Right? And then he said the word whole life insurance. And I thought, man, these guys are really slow around here because my grandma may still have one of those policies, but nobody else. So it took me a while to get my arms around the fact that yes, my cash needs to stay at work. And every time that I would go buy something before I started implementing this in 2009, personally, I would just take cash out of my checking account. And then that cash would be invested in whatever it was doing, but it no longer was at work, obviously, in my checking account. But what you said is what I didn't understand. And real mm-hmm. estate investors usually get the power of leverage. They understand the power of other people's money. But yet when they use dollars, they don't actually do that. So whether I borrow 100% of the money to go buy a piece of real estate and it starts producing cash flow, what do I do? I stick that into my checking account. And then when I spend it, I'm spending cash that no longer can earn a dollar for me again. But when we stick it in these insurance policies, just like you said, that insurance policy continues to earn for the rest of my life or whoever's life the, the policy is put on. Because I can own policies and I do own policies on four other individuals. I guess more than that, since I have four kids, my wife, my business partner, and then an employee, however many that is, seven, I guess, individuals other than myself. And I could borrow against those dollars and now have the real estate or business or whatever my money's at work in, as well as I got the earnings and insurance policy. And when somebody really kind of put those things together for me, I had that aha moment that I was like, boy, I wish I would have not been so stupid five years earlier. (laughs) For me, it was a very challenging concept to grasp. I read two books, one for sure, and I think I skimmed another book. And then I had many conversations. I interviewed probably 10 people just on the podcast, not because I was looking at it, 
but just because I happen to interview guests who are focused on it. And I shared this information with a couple people who are more financially savvy than I am just to make sure I wasn't missing anything. And then I eventually signed up. So in terms of how to build a business around it, so let's talk about you from a business standpoint. Someone says, you know what, Russ, this looks great. I'm in for a $100,000 policy. How much money can you as a business person who's offering this to them make on $100,000? Do you mean me as a life insurance? Yeah, yeah, because that's the way you make money. What other ways do you make money? So I have no idea, perhaps I should, how much you're making in this. Yeah, I'm going to pull out a pen because I don't do the math that way. But the way life insurance is paid, they've paid it through a commission. And then there's renewals, which is a beautiful thing. Obviously, we created a renewal business that creates revenue just like if I bought a piece of rental property. So an insurance policy, when somebody pays a premium, I hate that word premium because I put unleaded gas in my truck. <laughs> you know, I don't put plus, I don't, I don't right. put premium, but insurance companies use that word premium. I kind of refer to it more as a deposit. Uh-huh. When that money goes into an insurance policy, it's going to have to buy life insurance. A portion of the money that you put into that policy is going to buy life insurance. Now, it's hard for me to give you a specific number because Ballpark. It, whether you're 30 or 80 and great health and worse health or whatever, in most situations, the average client that we have would come in and say, put $100,000 in year one, it's probably going to put somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty-five dollars to $40,000 a year thereafter. That's a very typical scenario. And then at some point in time, that number would even drop down either to zero or a much smaller number. In most situations, we'd probably in year one make somewhere around $10,000. Cool. And, and that it, kind of goes back to your point of the way that we would design it. Most likely in year one, that person, they put in $100,000 designed the way that we would do it but have access to borrow against probably somewhere in the neighborhood of around 85,000 of that hundred thousand. Does that 10 K approximate profit increase or decrease over the years for you? Oh, significantly down. So at year two, we're getting probably about $2,500 maybe Mm -hmm. down to 2000, somewhere in that range, which is what is funny to me because I'm always so transparent about the money part because that typically is when people read about life insurance, they say, oh, that's just this big, huge commission item. No wonder those guys are selling it. No wonder they live in such nice houses or whatever it may be, right? People hear me about being down at my lake house, like, oh, that's how they pay for it. Or, you know, my, <laughs> my wife was a dentist, right? Like, oh, what kind of car is she getting in? That's the reason she told me I needed that crown. But the reality is, is that you add up the math. So let's just say somebody over a 10-year period of time gave us $325,000. So that's $31,000 over a 10-year period of time on 325K, right? Mm-hmm. What is that? That's 3100 bucks a year. Yeah. So we start adding that up and we start comparing that to the typical investment fund that exists out there. And you, you start saying, okay, well, the first year the person had 100000 Next year they had 130000 You do that at 1% and you start adding that up every single year. You know what happens at the end of year 10? You compare the two numbers and usually about the same at year 10. The difference is after year 10, those renewals and things like that go away for the insurance agent, but they just keep getting bigger for the investment advisors, mm. except we're doing the same thing. So it's funny that, again, there's a lot of that on the front end, but on the back end, it becomes a lot more time management and helping them, which is fine because our business is built that way. And if someone puts in 100000 year one, 
why would they want to, in subsequent years, put in more money? Why not just leave it at the initial 100000 There are rules that govern the way these insurance policies are created. And it's actually, it goes back to real estate. It's funny how everything's connected to real estate. But you may know this, as some people don't, I didn't know it early on, is that there was a lot of rules governing the way corporations could operate back in the late 70s, early 80s. And it allowed people to actually buy real estate in corporations. And because of the way the tax laws work, they would literally go buy properties that could be negative cash flow. But because of the write-offs with the corporations, they could technically, through the tax losses, create a profit. I don't know if you knew that, but that existed. So, of course, the legislation changed on that and changed the way those corporations could be taxed. So all of a sudden, those loopholes got changed or tax codes got changed. So there sits all these real estate investors and obviously the tax attorney's got to find a way to make money. So they start looking around and try to figure out where can I put money that has a lot of benefits. And at the time, life insurance had ability where you could do exactly what you said. They could take a big, huge lump sum of money, just dump it into a life insurance policy. They called that a single premium policy. And they knew all the benefits of the life insurance, meaning that once it got in there, it no longer would be taxed. And if they took it out in the form of a loan, it would stay tax-free. And when they died, the death benefit would be income tax-free to their heirs. Mm-hmm. And at the time in the early 80s, as we all know, that's when obviously we had super high inflation. We had interest rates, 12, 13, 15%, you know, crazy things. So these insurance policies were earning 8 to 10% tax-free. So for somebody that was in a 50% bracket, which most people, by the way, don't realize the top bracket in the early 80s was 50%, do the math. Somebody earning 8 to 10% after tax was the equivalent of earning 20%. So this was a really big thing. Well, of course, that didn't last very long. There was two laws that were passed, Tamra and DEFRA, in the early to mid-80s that then changed that rule. Long story, basically, to say is that basically, in order for it to be a quote-unquote life insurance policy, somebody has to pass a seven-pay test, and that means money has to go in over a very systematic way over seven years in order for it to qualify. So someone can't just go in, dump 100000 in in day one, mm-hmm. and then say, okay, I'm done, without having to then have the rules that govern 401ks and IRAs happen to them. And our clients are trying to avoid those rules, meaning they want to access the money without paying penalties before 59 and a half. And ideally, they don't want to pay the tax when they get the money out. So they want to pass that seven pay test. Seven pay, does that correspond to seven years in this example? Exactly. Yes. So okay. seven years is the seven pay. Okay. And then are there any advantages to the policyholder to do it after seven years? Well, it's funny that that's a very common answer. Most people think of, I want to stop paying it because like we said earlier, it's a premium. And so we think of that as an expense. And early on, people's mindset is that way, Joe. But to date, I don't have anybody that stopped. I've been doing this for the last 10 years. And once they realize it's a deposit, and if you put a dollar in your bank and they added a dollar five to your account, when would you ever stop putting a dollar in if you had the dollar? Mm -hmm. You probably wouldn't, right? You'd just keep doing it. And that's what happens with these insurance policies. Once you realize, well, I put a dollar in. Now in year one, I put a dollar in, I got 85 cents, right? So if that happened every year, I wouldn't want to do that. But that only happens the first couple of years. And then I start putting a dollar in, a dollar shows up, and then it starts slowly becoming more than a dollar. So if I've got money coming in from, say, rental property, and say my cash flow is $150,000 for the year. Well, I'm going to consume most of that money, especially if I'm no longer working. That's my mainstream of income. It's got to go somewhere. 
Well, if I had an insurance policy, for instance, that I could put $150,000 into, I could pay the premium, the deposit into the policy, and I could turn around and take it out in the form of a loan or withdrawal and use it to live on. Well, as long as I'm doing that and it makes financial sense, then I'm going to keep doing it. So most of our clients get that as they go on. It's that, man, this is just really just a cash flow management tool. It's no different than putting it in my checking account and putting it here. Now, it takes a while to get to that point. That's not day one, but that's what they get to. And it's like, oh, okay, then yeah, I'll, I'll keep doing it. But there are the options, as long as they buy the right types of policies, whole life in particular, that they literally could stop making a premium. They could stop making a payment and their cash value will still grow. It will grow to equal the death benefit because that's what they're mathematically created to do. When you're at an event and it's maybe a, a happy hour and you have not spoken at this hypothetical event, so they're strangers to you, you to them, them to you. And they say, what do you do? And you mention this concept. I imagine you get some wacky looks from people and dismissive comments. What is your approach to those comments and looks, if that is the case? Well, first of all, I probably don't have a conversation with them. I'm, I'm actually... Yeah, you don't even try to do it. It's just No, it's I don't much. because our business is online, so I don't do that. But I, I have had those conversations and it's very common, Joe. Again, it goes back to what do you know? And I always see this as a means. It's not the end. And I think that's where people get caught up is that they think, why would I ever put money into an insurance policy that you say earns 3 to 4% when I'm earning 25% yeah. in my real estate deals, or I'm earning 1,000% or an infinite return in my wholesaling deals, or whatever it may be. And I say, well, that's what you want to get to, but your cash has to come from somewhere. So mm -hmm. if you and I can buy the same investment and earn the same rate of return, it really comes back to, okay, where did your money come from? Yours yep. came from a checking account. Mine came from an insurance policy. If I can earn 3% and you earn zero, who do you think is going to be ahead in the long term? And that usually is a starting point, but there's a great video I always refer to people to go watch if they haven't seen it. It's called Backwards Bicycle. You ever seen that one? No, never heard of it. Oh, it's amazing. It's a seven-minute YouTube video. I don't know if you have kids or not, but I would totally tell you to watch it. If you have kids, let them watch it. They'll love it. But it's a guy that happens to work at a, uh, as an engineer he was trying to teach a point that we have these biases and we have to know that as we go into things. So what he did is he, he took a bicycle, actually the engineers that, that were working with him, they fooled him and they, they created this bicycle. When you turn the handlebars left, the wheel turns right. <laughs> when you turn it right, it turns left. So you think, well, you've grown up riding a bicycle. I can figure this out. I'll power through it. And he traveled all around the world proving to people that literally you cannot make one revolution on the chain without falling off. Our brains are not built to do it. And that's the mm. concept that a lot of people have learned things one way. Mm. They have this cognitive bias and their brain's kind of in that rut. So it's sometimes you have to show them there is another way, but they got to be willing to learn and they're not willing to learn. It doesn't matter. I will be watching that at the next break in between my interviews. I've already got it up on YouTube. That's going to be a fun video. It looks like taking a step back. What is your best advice ever for real estate investors? Best investment advice ever for real estate investors, follow your actual knowledge in it. Don't invest in things just because you think others are doing it and doing it well. Follow what you know. And if you don't know it, go learn it before you do it. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? 
Let's do it. All right. First quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com. Are you serious about taking the first step in the gateway to financial freedom? Then join Jake and Gino on a four-week course that will teach you how to become a multifamily real estate investor. Go to jakeandgino.com. That's J-A-K-E-A-N-D-G-I-N-O.com. Best ever business deal that you've done? Best ever business deal. The partnership that I, I created with my business partner about four years ago, I left a, another business opportunity and our business has exploded since then. And it was because I started leveraging somebody else's talents in areas that I was deficient in. What have you lost the most money doing? Bitcoin, Ethereum, <laughs> mining machines, things like that. I thought everyone became Bitcoin billionaires with the Bitcoin stuff. What happened to you? <laughs> I bought the miner thinking that was going to be the way. And I bought them right before, obviously, everything plummeted. So the money I spent on them was, a, obviously, I knew they were going to go down in value. But when the amount of money that they're profiting every month is less than it costs to maintain them, it's not a good idea. <laughs> Best ever way you like to give back to the community. My wife and I are part of a program called the Fellows Initiatives that's associated with the church we go to. It's a leadership and development program. It's a nine-month program that the students that go through it have to have a host family. So we've hosted one of the people from that course for the last three years in our house. How can the best of our listeners learn more about what you're doing? WealthWithoutWallStreet.com. We've got a podcast that's Wealth Without Wall Street and all the things that we do and talk about are there. Enjoyed our conversation. Didn't know what we'd be getting into. And I'm glad that we got into the cash value life insurance policy stuff and just talking about the details there. So if anyone is not aware of it, now you are. And if you were aware of it, you were probably confused about it. Be honest. As I still, I actually, I'm not confused on it. I'm, I, I'll give myself some credit but it took me a while to grasp the concept and i forgot to mention after doing all that stuff one important part of what put me over into the category of doing it is an investor friend of mine he invests with us has done so for a while he did it and he's like hey you should be doing this so i was like all right fine. after all the research uh, good word of mouth from someone so enjoyed our conversation russ hope you have the best ever day talk to you again soon all right, you too, man. Are you serious about taking the first step in the gateway to financial freedom? Then join Jake and Gino on a four-week course that will teach you how to become a multifamily real estate investor. Go to jakeandgino.com. That's J-A-K-E-A-N-D-G-I-N-O.com. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com.